my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Ginger Cat Appreciation Day, Joe. I had no idea that different genres of cat had their own appreciation day. I guarantee you every time any kind of cat is due to be appreciated, it will be celebrated on this podcast. Fair enough, and I think we've got I think we've got a basket of apology kittens coming up, so maybe we'll throw some ginger cats in there. <laughs> coming up on today's show, was I almost made a, wi- a widower? A wi- would I be the widow or the widower okay. Let, if let's you died not exaggerate, Barcelona? Joe. <laughs> okay, I was sick, but I was not dying. Okay, well, I wasn't really sure, because I would need to be pretty much dying to have missed what went on in Barcelona. Yeah. James was sick. Other people got sick. We were... Back to the future clock towering the entire Barcelona stream, including a goddamn lightning strike. True story. More on that later as we wrap Barcelona. And honestly, stay tuned because it was one for the ages. You do realize I had to clarify with so many people in the days that followed that there genuinely was a lightning strike. People thought you were joking when you mentioned it on the stream. No one ever believes me. It's not like, oh, actually, I can't say I do lie an awful lot about stuff on stream. Okay. Uh, And without giving away too much, it was one of the more interesting final tables. Heads up. Deal negotiations we've ever seen. It sure would be great. If we got the winner on to, oh, wait a second, we did. We'll be bending it like Bendinelli with the man himself. Uh, After Barcelona, I went on a little vacation, the first vacation of my adult life. Uh, Me and my girlfriend went on vacation with Marley and Spraggy. Is that something you think people would want to hear about? I mean, only if... What if I say a lot of it was a disaster? That's what I was expecting. That's what I was hoping. (laughs) Yes, let's hear about it. Wonderful. And uh, there's no rest for the... the, Is it weary or wicked? Wicked, I believe, is the the expression. There's no rest for the wicked because hot on the heels of Barcelona, it is the World Championship of Online Poker. We'll be previewing that in just a few minutes. And last, but by no means least, we'll be talking to a super fan by the name of Reese Poole, who's challenged me on the subject of soccer. Oh, boy. More specifically, the 2022 UEFA Women's Championship. Okay, so I did misread this. I thought I was being quizzed on all of UEFA. And so I was like, well, there's no point in studying that. When it turns out I could have I could have studied, you know, what was it, four or five games that happened? I mean... I don't believe you for one second. There is no way that you were ever going to look up any information about this, regardless of what the scope of information was. I think that my brain just told myself it was too <laughs> big of a scope, and that way I didn't have to do any research. Anyway, I'll probably get shellacked in that later on. Like, I'm sure, I don't know, that Germany got shellacked by England. Did they? I'm not sure. Anyway, okay. We've got too much to talk about this week as far as like stuff that poker things that have happened. Yeah. Uh, so, and also, James, I don't know about you, like, I didn't have time to watch Jack shit while we were gone except for two things, which was Better Call Saul, and I went to the movies on vacation and saw Nope. Yeah, we talked about Better Call Saul while we were in um, Barcelona. I think we were both big fans of how it concluded, and I have a lot of respect for the entire world that. Uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould have created across those two shows. You know, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, add them together. It's been running from 2008 through to 2022. And the whole journey, the whole story is just compelling. It's a fantastic piece of TV. And I envy anyone 
who hasn't started at the beginning with Breaking Bad and watched it all the way through to the end. In fact, it's one of those shows which I could easily find myself revisiting down the years. I'm going to go and see Nope at the cinema this weekend. So don't go into too much detail about that one now because chances are... I'm sure there'll be some downtime during one of our WCube streams when yeah. there'll be the opportunity to talk movies and we can catch up on that then. I'm a big movie vacation guy. I like going to movies on vacation. More about the vacation in, in, in a little bit, yeah. by the way, because let's get into it. Let's talk about the huge European Poker Tour event we are all still recovering from. I feel like we should lead with how successful EPT Barcelona was. I mean, record-breaking Estrella's main event, record-breaking EPT main event, incredible feedback from all the players who attended. But I guess we should address the elephant in the room, which is I wasn't there for the second half of it. The elephant who wasn't in the room. Get very sick. This is not the first time, by the way, I've been poorly at an EPT. I don't even remember Vienna, Joe, back in 2014 when I had a horrific cold and I caned like about 2,000 small bottles of mineral water and they were kind of gathering under the table. I was just trying to flush this lurgy out of my system. This is the first time I've been at an event where I've not been able to work. There was a 48-hour period where I felt like murder. There was one point where I felt like my throat was on fire. The good news is I was feeling a little bit better by final table day. The good news is with everything that's happened in the last two years, we're now in a situation where we have the ability to set up commentary remotely in the same way where we've had like Maria, for example, join us from LA. We were able for me to dial in from my hotel room. So I was still in Barcelona, just not in the same room as Joe, Maria and Nick, uh, but was able to make a contribution to that final table stream. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I could be there for the last day. If for no other reason, then I did feel guilty about the fact that everyone else was having to do more hours. I mean, I also felt guilty that you were missing it, that it was, you know, one of the more interesting tournaments we'd ever covered. It was a record-breaking field. It was a very important moment, I think, in poker and for our, you know, for our tour specifically. And so I felt really guilty that your voice wasn't being heard on it. But I guess at least we have the TV shows. That's the thing. We will do it for TV, but also, and I think 10 years ago, I would have probably felt like that. Um my ego is such now that I don't feel the need good. to necessarily okay, put my vocal stamp on everything. And I don't feel threatened that I wasn't part of the commentary team for this uh, epic conclusion of the broadcast. In fact, yes, it was frustrating to not be able to work. But more than anything, I was incredibly proud of the rest of the team. Now, we started building this commentary team back in 2018 when we did the PCA that year. That's when we brought in Griffin and Maria. And in the years that have followed, we've added Sam, we've added Nick. And I thought you all did awesome work. And as I said at the time, and I'll say it again, I was very impressed with the way that you understood you had to play the role of James Hartigan. You had to be the straight man. You had to be the lead. You had to anchor this ship or steer the ship, not anchor it. It needs to keep moving. Um, Right. And you just did awesome work. And everyone was like, wow, Joe's really stepped up. And I kind of feel guilty about that because 
I guess you can't have as much fun as you normally would because you can still make the odd joke here and there, but you know that you've got to kind of rein it in more because you're the one who is now effectively in charge. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Thanks for thanks for saying that. And and you know, I, I did. It, it did feel very important. I guess one of the things I had going in my favor was that it was such a momentous tournament yeah. that to treat it with anything less than that sort of high regard and that sort of reverence would have been a huge mistake. Yeah. So I think that if the tournament had been more standard, that maybe uh, I would have not played the role of James Hardigan quite so well and maybe been a little goofier. But there was also plenty of room um, for levity. Uh, there were long periods where nothing really was going on. You know, we'll talk to uh, uh, Giuliano a little bit about it, but like the heads up match, for example, took way longer than it really should have. Yes. And so we still had time to sort of to do our, our little slapstick behind the scenes stuff. And then, and then big moments were yeah. happening and it was like back to straight man mode. Yeah. And I don't want to dance around the timeline too much, but you talk about how long the heads up went. I, I couldn't stick with it until the very end. So it was the following morning that I woke up, went back because, of course, the VOD lives on both YouTube and Twitch and watched the last five minutes, watched that incredible final hand, which we'll talk about with Giuliano. And also, two things, watched the amazing closing sequence that Gary cut that Gary put together which I know has been released on social media since and is just such a fantastic summary of everything that went down in Barcelona every event that we covered and really captures the vibe the unique spirit of this particular European Poker Tour event plus of course I heard your closing speech where there was a notable omission yeah, so I was like, that was the part I was most nervous about. So like in the, in like the few seconds I had, because I didn't have a lot of time to think about things, I'm writing down everyone's name. Like everyone, James always thanks all the commentators, right? Who does he thank? Uh, he, it's most of all the players. I remember that part, the staff, the whatever, whatever. And I'm trying to write down all the co-commentators' names. And I left off Griffin. And so Griffin, here's a basket of apology kittens for you. There you go. Enjoy. I'm so sorry. I... I, I I did my best. And the funny part is, James, the funny part is, so our boss, Francine, comes in and she's like, Joey, you smashed it. You did such a great job. You you really stepped up. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And then the next line out of her mouth is, you forgot Griffin. (laughs) And, And I'm just like, oh, well, there's no way Griffin's watching. There's, there's no way Griffin's watching. And, um, and even if he did, he'll be fine with it. He'll, He'll get, he'll, he'll get it. And then like a minute later, I get the video. If you guys haven't seen it, go to Griffin's Twitter page and watch the video of him waiting for me to thank him. Hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Dying laughing. I showed it to everyone in the production office like four times. Anyway, Griffin, I'm sorry. Let's briefly touch on the stuff that I was there for, Joe, because before we got to the main event, a lot happened, right? We streamed the final table of the Estrella's main event, a tournament that had nearly six and a half thousand entries. One and by again, this Bruggen guy. Just to reiterate, the most optimistic projection was that we would break the record from 2019 and maybe, maybe get close to five and a half thousand. But 6,300 nah. was, was, was outside of anyone's expectations. Um, and it seems that everyone who played that Australia's main event showed up at the players' party because that place was rammed. That was really, really fun. I think Barcelona has had some hit-or-miss players' parties. And I think 
that you know the location of it was a, a place we've had other players parties before and i just felt like the vibe again was like just everyone was very still happy to see each other happy to be back in barcelona um you know there was uh, it, it, it was hot and sweaty and everyone just kind of leaned into it and it ended up being a pretty good time yeah no for sure um straight back to work the next day uh we had the double bill the double header on the monday the PSPC Women's Platinum Pass tournament. We got to present that PSPC package uh, to Jada Fang. And then you got to play. True Geordie came to town. You played in the showdown. How was that experience of playing on the stage? That was really fun. I'm not going to lie. It was really fun. Hopefully, James, if it interests you, you can play next time we do something like that. Um, it, it is really fun. Was it hard for you to uh, not to not play, but like you weren't even doing commentary, right? You're just kind of like... No, I was like just sitting in the sidelines and I was only going to come in if I was needed. And I think I came in at the end of the rebuy period just to kind of reset how everyone was getting on and obviously came in for the end result at the end, which saw the EPT London seat go to Spraggy of all people. Um, it was weird when something significant was happening. Someone was telling me like if someone had doubled up or if someone was about to like need a, a, a rebuy, but yeah, I didn't get to see it. And I certainly didn't get to hear it. So I don't know what was said. I don't know what was discussed. Obviously when there was exuberance at the table, everyone in the poker room could hear that, but right. it's one of those streams which i probably need to go back and watch to get a sense of of what it was like and look i imagine it was something very different to our audience some of whom probably don't even know who true geordie is right outside of the uk i don't know how big a profile he has um but that's the thing i wanted to say my kind of personal thank you to add to the long shopping list that you did joe is again to reiterate our thanks to everyone who watched the coverage and i'm sure Many people listening to this podcast watched at least one day, probably multiple days, maybe all eight days. But the loyal fans, and there were so many of them, the viewership for Barcelona was huge. The average viewing time was huge. It was a hugely successful event from our point of view as content creators. So thanks to everyone who tuned in. Uh, you got the usual fare after that. You got the Super High Roller final table, Mikita Bodzikovsky winning that one. Then we get into the main event. Now, I was there for the start. I was there for the revelation that we had close to 2,300 entries, the biggest EPT main of all time, the biggest bubble of all time. And I was really enjoying that first day of coverage, Joe, because we had, and I think this very much set the tone for what was to come on days three, four, and five, some really fun feature tables. Yeah, it was cool because that first feature table had some of the old school pros on it that we tend to want to see anyway because we're used to them. They, you know, they were a little bit, you know, more personality driven back in the day and sort of starting things off with them. And they hadn't missed a beat, yeah. those guys. It was Chino and Noah Buchan and uh, uh, Patrick Antonius. And it was, it was just like old times. It was really, really cool to see. And I don't, that continued. And I don't know. I don't know um, if it was just luck, or if it's a, a sign of things to come. Maybe we're looking at a more social age of people at feature tables and poker tournaments. I'm not sure. I really, really hope it's the latter. I do think it probably is more the former. Um, yeah. I think, like so many things related to poker, luck plays a major factor. And I do think we got very lucky with the players who went deep and the lineups. 
at those feature tables. So I mentioned already that there were a couple of days where I was a bit out of it and couldn't really even watch the stream, but I was watching on the Saturday. That penultimate day, playing down to the final table and then playing down to the last six, was some of the most entertaining poker I have ever watched. And I have to say, it was really enjoyable to observe it as a member of the audience and not have to work it. Interesting. Okay. I'm glad that it was. I mean, look, it was one of the more interesting tournaments to do commentary on also. Um, a lot of the time, no offense, but if people don't aren't watching it live, it's very rare that I would recommend that someone go back and watch 40 hours of live coverage. You know, I would be yeah. like, no, wait for the TV shows. Like, we're, it's going to be all the best bits. This is something that I actually kind of feel bad if all you're ever going to get is the TV shows from this because look I'm sure we'll do we'll do it justice and I'm sure they'll be very entertaining but I've not seen a tournament that was this interesting from start to finish every single day and I have to obviously credit the players for that because they were quite chatty and also the poker we saw and the drama and the comebacks and the the ups and downs and like I mean if we could skip ahead slightly to the final table uh, that was anybody's game at any Absolutely. point, multiple what, times. What I've was, never seen anything like it. What was really weird is that throughout, this had played as a pretty deep tournament with anything between like a 60 like to 70 big blind average. And yeah. now suddenly it got really shallow. It took a long time to lose players from that six-handed final table. Um, and absolutely, it was clear anyone could win it. Um now, I mentioned that I was broadcasting from my hotel room, a room I'd been stuck in for several days. And Hotel Arts is a fantastic hotel. It's a five-star hotel. It's one of the nicest places I've stayed anywhere in the world. But I don't care how nice the hotel is. If you are stuck in a room, it becomes a prison. And it reminded me there's... I'm going to make a Bond reference. I always make Bond references. In Dr. No, where he's kept captive in this this beautiful suite, he refers to it as a mink-lined prison. That's very much what this felt like. Um, but that meant I got to observe the storm. You didn't see the storm. You're in the casino part of the building. In the basement, I'm, yeah. I've got windows out in the world, and I'm not exaggerating. It was like a sci-fi movie where the UFO comes overhead. The sky just suddenly went dark. The wind started swirling. Debris, plastic bags. I thought, oh my God, are we about to get hit by a hurricane? And No, just you, lightning. If you Google <laughs> Hotel Arts, if you're not familiar with the building, you'll see that it's a tower with like this metal structure around it, like these girders on the outside. Those girders were swaying and creaking, and I know they're meant to do that. I get right. that that's part of the architectural design, but it's still, nonetheless, it's ideal. terrifying <laughs> yeah. to listen to outside of your window on the 14th story of this building. Then the rain, the hail, thunder every few seconds, then the lightning, and boom, I felt it. Lightning hit the building, the power went out, I lost the lights in my room, they came back on again, they went off again, and that's what took out all of our broadcast systems, took out all the lights on the set, meant that play had to stop. And obviously, I wasn't there to help, but I imagine everyone was scrambling frantically, Joe, to try and rescue the stream and, crucially, rescue the delay. Much like the lightning, I did not see any of the scrambling. Um, the, all of the commotion happened outside of the room we were in, and I'm smart enough to know at this point, no good can come of me going into those rooms. I can't help. I can only get in the way. And it should be noted that 
the plan, the how to fix it, how to how to get the delay back, how to get back on the air came together very quickly with very little panicking that I could see. And everyone really kind of came together to make it all happen, including the players who understood that there was going to need to be a break so yeah. that we could get things back up and running. And considering that an entire building with tons, with millions and millions of dollars worth of electronic equipment got struck by lightning and we lost like maybe 30 seconds of footage from the event is pretty fucking wild and pretty dope. And also, there was a couple of people in chat who were like, don't they have a generator for this sort of thing? F go fuck yourself. A generator. <laughs> a generator for... To back up all of that, get get lost, please. Um, when play resumed, there was the aborted three-way deal. Then we finally had the deal chat when Guerrero and Bendinelli got heads up. Um, it was an extended conversation. Obviously, we need to talk to Giuliano about that conversation and some of the things that were said. It did feel, Joe, that the heads up, the camaraderie had disappeared by that point. Yeah, and you know, obviously, we're going to talk to Juliana in a second about this, but I was getting some like grudgy yeah. Salter Buonanno vibes. We were like, oh, they made a deal, or we like this should be wrapped up any second, and then play sort of ground to a halt. Yeah, and they both guys got real um, cautious. It was yeah. it was a very interesting turn. Yeah, um, two observations from me as an EPT historian about the final hand. The way that Bendinelli showed his hand at the end had major, major callbacks to the way Mallets won against Reichenstein. The difference there was that Mallets was away from the table, ran to the table and quickly turned over his hand. Bendinelli starts to celebrate with his rail and realizes, oh shit, I actually need to show the guy that I've got quads. Yeah, um, he runs back. The other callback, though, was many people are calling this the best EPT of all time. Before that, people referred to the Monte Carlo event in 2013 as the greatest final table of all time. Yeah. Possibly the most prestigious, acclaimed lineup we've had at a final table. A final table that was won by Steve O'Dwyer, who rivered quad eights. Oh. Just so happens that two of the best EPTs we've ever had concluded with the winner rivering quad eights. So. Pocket eights was kind of the hand of the tournament too. I don't know if you remember, but like I was joking earlier on about eights being the easiest hand to flop a set with. And when I made that joke, I think they cracked aces later on. They came back again at the final table. And then the quad eights, I obviously didn't put that together. Um, th that's very, that's, it's neat. I'll say, right. It's neat. It's a neat little it's factoid. Cute. It's cute. Yes. Uh, let's hear from the winner of the biggest EPT main, main event of all time, a tournament people are calling the best EPT of all time. We are welcoming Giuliano Bendinelli to the podcast. Giuliano, congrats again. Thank you very much, man. I see that you're uh, you're wearing your EPT Barcelona shirt. Have you taken it off since then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of times, only to go to discotheque because... Otherwise, uh, probably they, are, they don't permit me to, to go inside. <laughs> Was there a big party at the discotheque afterward? Yeah, yeah not, not that day, but like uh, the next day's in Ibiza was amazing. Yeah, we oh, make man. a lot of parties, had a lot of fun. Okay, so when your rail was chanting, we're going to Ibiza, you genuinely did all go to Ibiza. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 of course, of course. They sing uh, all, all day long. Uh, it's like in Italian, it's like uh, we want to come, we want to come, we want to come to Ibiza. <laughs> so it's something like that. <laughs> Wow! No wonder everyone was rooting for you. Uh, after the the tournament, I, when I came up and asked you if you would do an interview, which, by the way, thank you for that interview. Thanks for this right now today. No you problem. Said you, you said you've been waiting a long time to win an EPT. When would you say that really started? Yeah, well, it was my dream uh, from the beginning. Like, yeah, I love EPT. Mm, I treat EPT like a big family, so... Everybody, I think, knows me. I play all the EPT from 2012, so from 10 years, except for the two years of pandemic situation, of course, but like for eight years. And uh, yeah, I did run uh, some main event, but like it's really difficult to win uh, one, one of that because there are a lot of good players and also there are a, a lot of players, even not good, but like there are a lot of people to beat, to be in a... In a, in, in a, to have a chance to, to take it down. My, my biggest uh, result in the main event, I think, was already in Barcelona or maybe in Deauville. I make two big difference, but I finish, I don't remember, like 35 and 42, something like that. I don't remember exactly. Never really close to final table, but this time I did it. <laughs> and what? an EPT to win, as we've mentioned many times, the biggest main event of all time, played out over six days, six very long days. And from our perspective, everyone who was involved in covering this for the live stream and filming it for TV was absolutely destroyed at the end of this tournament. What was it like as a player? You were at that table for 12, 13 hours a day for six days straight. I mean, that takes its toll, right? Yeah, I was so exalted, man. So, so like I have no power inside myself. Like I just, I when when after the final end, all the adrenaline, all these things like goes down, and I was just I want just to sleep for like forty eight hours or something like that. And yeah, it was insane. Like mm, I'm proud about uh, how I play, but also I'm proud about my mindset. Like, how can I afford, like, all the moments, like, the good moments, but also the bad moments during a tournament, uh, like, a week of tournaments, playing 14 hours straight every day. It's normal. You have some bad levels, like, when you lose uh, a couple of flip, you lost 50% uh, of your stack. But I always try to remain focused uh, about the next end. Only think not about the past, but only think about the present and the immediate, uh, like the, the immediately the next time. This is like, um, I think uh, I, I make this really good. Also, um, I did some meditation, some yoga, some, some of this stuff helped me to remain really focused to my, to my goal. So when you're doing meditation, yoga, that sort of thing, is it something that you'll like take like during a dinner break you'll go do or is it just something you do at night in the morning? What's your routine for that? Uh, usually a couple of times every day uh, when I wake up uh, before uh, I go to sleep. So two times uh, every day. And uh, if I can or if I feel a little bit, uh, uh, I need it. Like if I feel a little bit tired or something like that, uh, I try to do also in a normal break because you only need like uh, 
three, four, five minutes for some kind of meditation. So even in, during a normal break of 20 minutes, I can do it. Got it. So now that you've had some time to calm down and reflect and think about that day, uh, have you gone over those moments in your mind again? Have you watched any of the footage or are you just taking your, your victory lap? No, I, 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 I'm, I, I watched some of your video, like a lot of stuff in, uh, in, uh, like, in web. And uh, yeah, I, I also think about how I play, like, uh, and I'm really happy. The, I think the only end, uh, it's close, it's not a mistake, but it's close event uh, when I remain with one big, like uh, I will show the queen uh, against the open of Jimmy Guerrero. Uh, he opens with 24 bigs. I have 23 bigs with ace queen, six handed. So it's okay, reshove, but uh, with uh, this type of massive uh, ICM uh, consideration factor, I could also flat. And in that, I don't want to be oriented, but uh, I see mm, the big blind mockery as ace queen. So if I decide to flat, I save myself because mockery reshove. Uh, Guerrero calls and I can easily fold but of course poker is not about to be oriented and uh, I win uh, I win even in this way even if I remain with one big I, I end, mean, end up uh, to win the tournament it doesn't happen very often and it came up during the live stream that we saw it happen in London Back in 2008, Michael Martin came back from a big blind. Peter DeCorva in Monte Carlo in 2009. It's been a while, but you are joining. I didn't play in that. Uh, I didn't play as well. Like I started to play in 2010. So right. <laughs> so, exactly. So in the last decade, in the last sort of 12, 13 years, it's not happened that someone has proved the expression that you so love to spout, Joe, all it takes is a chip in a chair. I mean, in your own mind, yeah. you must be thinking, maybe I can ladder one spot. At the point you're down to a yeah, single yeah. big blind, you're not thinking of winning anymore, right? No, of course. I was so happy. If you if you see a video, like when Mokri busted, I don't want to be rude, but of course, uh, uh, I, I was so happy to, to make a pay <laughs> jump, like not only for the money, but even for the glory to be fifth and sixth. I don't know. It's not a really big difference, but for me, it's important even like finish better. So in that moment, of course, uh, I never think about, okay, yeah. I can come back. Uh, but I was so happy to take like uh, 100k more and like uh, finish fifth instead of six. And it, you never know. Like I know I have like one percent chance, maybe two, three percent chance to really come back and do something special. But win like it's a, a lot far from that, that that point. Of course, but it kind of fit with the narrative of this event. If you look at like the previous day and that final day. There were so many crazy hands. I mean, on that penultimate day, like Guerrero just was all in so many times and just couldn't be eliminated. And that kind of gave the whole thing such an energy. And you guys just seemed to be enjoying it, even though the decisions you were making were for uh, ridiculous money. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of good uh, characters at the final table. A lot of good uh, person like... Uh, 
um, a lot of energy. I like uh, everything. I know maybe for the spectators is good, but also I don't know. Maybe somebody wants uh, to take it more seriously. But uh, I think we are taking we 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 took a lot of uh, serious. But just like when you are playing for such a big prize pool and such a prestige event, you need some time to just. Uh, between one end and the other one, just like a little bit of relax and uh, laugh um, from uh, with other players, like uh, have a good time. I think yeah. it's important. It's not about uh, uh, be less focused because I think I remain focused one hundred percent of the time. Even if my, when my rail like uh, song a lot, I never lost my concentration, my focus. It, it was just supported. So. I think even uh, if you are playing such a big event, you can like talk with other with your opponents and um, try to enjoy your time at the final table. It's interesting that you bring up the characters at the table, and I felt like Giuliano, the character, didn't really show himself until the deal negotiation, and we got to see your tactic. For I mean, you just mentioned that laddering up 100K was something you were relieved to do, but during the deal negotiation, it seemed like you didn't care about money at all. So can you talk us through... No, of course. Of co yeah, yeah like so I want to be clear. I want to be clear. Like, of course I care about 100K. It's a lot of money. I was just trying to say to my opponents, I was not scared of money at all, so we can play for 700K. Mm, for two reasons. Mm, one, uh, I I used to like I, I I play for a lot. Not not maybe not a lot of times for two million, but like I'm a regular of the circuit, so I know uh, how can I feel to play for big money. And second, like I have a good background background family, so like uh, 100k or even 700k doesn't matter the life for me. It doesn't change my life, but of course I care about 100k. It's a lot of money. You can do a lot of things. So I care, but uh, doesn't change my life. This is the, this is just my, yeah. I just I sure. want to so, say this. That, and that makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of us were, were suspecting that's what you were trying to say. I guess what I'm curious about then is what was your life before poker? Were you just a student? Did you did you have a, sort of what was your life like growing up? So, um, until when I was uh, 18, I used to play soccer uh, semi-professional. Uh, after I get an incident, so I start to look at, uh, at poker and uh, I, um, like I go to university, but after six months, I leave myself uh, to play poker professionally 100% of the time. But for me, playing poker from the beginning was more about competition and less about winning money. Of course, I right. care about winning money because if I play professional, uh, if I play good and uh, run good and uh, I, I win money, so it's important. But uh, from the beginning of my career, my first goal was uh, win an event like an EPT or something like that, win more event possible, like big events, something like that. This is just because I'm so happy about finish first and not second, for example, because for me, this tournament means like a lot, a lot. Yeah, I understand that. We talked about the atmosphere at the table. It did feel that the mood changed when it got heads up and when the deal negotiations properly started. It felt, and again, maybe this is not the case, it did feel that maybe there wasn't as much 
camaraderie between yourself and Jimmy Guerrero as maybe there was before? Uh, I don't know. Jimmy is um, like as a strange character. Like uh, I know a lot of Italian <laughs> doesn't like it. Yeah, doesn't like him. But I think mainly because he, he was played against me. So of course, if somebody supports me, it's difficult to like uh, enjoy Jimmy. But uh, for me, like uh, I think he is a really good guy. Uh, I think he creates a really good atmosphere, make a lot of good joke. Uh, yeah, I don't like only when he proposed the deal, three players left with Costa as well. And after, like, uh, he's, he asked for 50k more or something like that. And it's just, I, in my opinion, not a good thing because he asked for a deal. I don't ask. Uh, Costa doesn't ask. He asked. Jimmy asked. And after, he wants 50k more. And I think, like, uh, me and, uh, and Costa play really good. So Jimmy is not, like... Uh, uh, better than us so i think it's it's a bad try like we are all rags and i don't yeah. think anybody has big edge and jimmy i don't think so especially free-handed maybe it's up uh he play more heads up than me but i think uh short-handed i'm in my opinion i play better than him so of course i never accepted to to give 1k more than icm deal uh, yeah, and after I was I was feeling generally sorry for Costa because the like uh, if uh, if he, he, he wanted to deal and just because Jimmy changed his idea he's not able to deal anymore and uh, he finished third and takes like uh, I don't remember seven hundred and fifty instead yeah, of yeah. Uh, if if we deal free handed he was took uh, like uh, one million so he lost two hundred and fifty k for pretty much no reason. So, yeah, I told to him uh, I was feeling sorry, but he said, ah, it's okay, it's just poker, don't worry. But he's a really good guy. Like I, I really like uh, the Brazilian guy. Yeah, and I guess during that heads-up match, it was probably your focus at that point that, as you said, you just really wanted to win. That means that the mood changed. Yes. But there is one thing I need to ask you about. And it's funny, you say that Jimmy is a character, and you see with the audience, some of them love, loved him and some of them found him really annoying. There was one point when the yeah. audience turned against you, and that was when you seemed to be blaming the dealer for some of the hands you were getting during that heads-up battle. Was that just was that just frustration on your part? I no, I don't know why anybody um, understand that. I was just joking with a dealer. Okay. It, it, it was a joke. I, 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 I like it was like uh, don't give me seven deuce every hand, but of course it was a joke, and I. If I remember well, I said one thing. Of course, it's a joke because uh, I was not 100% sure uh, all, all, all the people can understand. But in my mind, it was a joke from the beginning. Come on, I'm a professional poker player. I know <laughs> like the dealer doesn't uh, cannot change the cards. It, for me, it was a clear joke. Let's uh, Well, the dealer did give you some good cards. Uh, we can give some credit on the very last hand. Let's talk about that last <laughs> yeah. hand. I mean, what the fuck is going <laughs> yeah, through yeah, your yeah. mind? So, so maybe, so maybe whining is important <laughs> because I whine and after I get rewarded. I just—it's the yeah, fact that it's the last the hand was amazing. Again, you say you know I'm a professional poker player, and there was that moment when your brain clicks like I'm celebrating. Oh shit! I actually need to show my opponent that I've got quads and run back to the table yeah, and turn yeah, the yeah, cards yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was sure the dealer cannot mark my end because all in call you have yes. to show. 
yes, so, yeah, yes. I, I was sure, but yeah, I, I just stand up. I was so excited and I forget for one second to show my hand. <laughs> it was funny. I mean, everything about this run is unbelievable, right? From the one big blind to the, you know, to the deal falling apart, to the heads up, to the last hand, not only f- hitting a set, making quads, but getting paid on it. Like, could you fucking believe that or what? Uh, I start to believe Jimmy as a jack when he lead the river. When he right. lead the river, in my opinion, he has more value than bluff. So when he lead the river, I just try to balance my time bank because every time I tank 20 seconds because b- before make my move, it's like a balancing my time bank. But in my heart, I was the 20 seconds longest ever. Like in my in my heart, it was like 20 years. Not, not 20 seconds. Before I have to say all in, that 20 seconds, I just, I was so excited One, because in my mind, I was the two, champion. Two, <laughs> three. Yeah, in my mind, he has a jack like 95% of the time. So I know he cannot fold the jack. Yeah. So I was just trying to remain like in this position. <laughs> and like when uh, the clock, six, 10 seconds left in my, in my 30 seconds, I just say all in. But yeah, like if, if I, if it was the longest 20 seconds ever, because in that moment I was close to sure I was winning like uh, yeah. the main event of history. Incredible. Um, I have one last question, Giuliano. I'm guessing your mom is very glad that she flew in for that final day. Yeah, of course she is. I, I don't want to get too personal, but you did, when I asked you about your mom, you said you wanted to dedicate the win to your dad. And I was just wondering if you could explain a little bit more about that without yeah, being like, too sad. Uh, unfortunately, six months ago, my dad, uh, he goes to the sky. Uh, he died, so yeah. And uh, he, he supported me all time uh, because my mom supports me, but doesn't uh, understand a lot about poker. But sure. my dad instead understood, so he watched blogs, uh, something like that. Yeah, the only bad thing about my incredible victory is happens just after like uh, my father. I, I I really wish, like I would have appreciated my father could be there with me. Of course, but crucially, you were able to dedicate that win to his memory. Your mum was there to see the winning moment, and congratulations once again Giuliano thank you for talking to us today I assume we will see you at the next two EPTs I imagine you'll now be going for win number two right yeah like but it, it will be amazing like only uh, if I don't remember wrong only one person uh, win two EPT right uh, there are two live winners so Vicky Vicky Corrin and Mikolai Pabal have both won okay. two live and when we ran EPT okay. online during the last few years it's only run twice and it's been won by the same person so really three but no one's won no one's won back-to-back events yeah buddy exactly if i'm gonna win uh, london the next event is london right it is correct. london correct if, if if i'm if i'm gonna win london i uh, i would be the first one to correct back to back but like there yeah, we but go. it's amazing. Like I know, I know why the, the statistic is against me. But <laughs> you never know. Well, the statistic was against you when you were down to one big blind. So you, you've done it yeah. once. Let's see if you can do it twice. Uh, Giuliano, thank you very much for talking to us. Great to catch up with you. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. So post Barcelona, I have been 
recuperating, uh, watching season four of Westworld. I've no idea why I've, why I've stuck with this show. Um, Not worth it. Look, I still maintain the first two seasons are fantastic. The first season is a masterpiece of television. Season three, it goes off the rails. Season four was enjoyable, if not great. Um, but at some point, I don't even know if there's going to be a fifth season. I probably need to stop. Um, I hate shows where it's clear they never had a plan for this and they never knew where it was going to go. They are literally making it up episode by episode and it pisses me off. Oh man, you don't you'd expect more from from the Nolans. They usually have a, a pretty big master plan. Yeah, yeah, but again, I think it's just there's still much to admire in there. There's still a lot of stuff that works, but overall, it's a mess. And again, it's just you can't do anything but unfavorably compare it with that first season, which was just incredible TV. But anyway, you got to go on holiday with the Sprags. Was this vacation? <laughs> as odd as I imagined it to be when you first mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe. I think maybe it was as odd as you imagined it to be. I, it, was, it was pretty damn close. There was some, look, we live in a, a day and age now where especially, like, let's look at the lives of, of Marley and Spraggy. Um, people kind of do their own thing these days, right? Like, everyone's on their own schedule. Everyone's on their own sleep schedule. Everyone's on their own eating schedule. So, like, getting four people to all do things at the same time is kind of impossible in our like you know of our very solo one player society we live in yeah. now and then if you're like trying to hold people to like deadlines and plans then it's not really a vacation for some people right so it was kind of riding the balance of like we want to we want to do stuff but we also want to force people to like say get up early on vacations so it was kind of a weird spot and made weirder by the fact that so you know I've been on the road more or less for like eight weeks or something. Yes. Um so I just said to my girlfriend, I let her slash asked her to book this vacation. So where did you and go, first of all? We went to Mallorca. Okay. So Mallorca um, is one of those places, and I'm sure I can speak for many uh Brits who grew up during the nineteen eighties. It's a classic summer holiday destination. I spent many a summer in Mallorca and because of that, I have no desire to ever go back. Sure, and that makes sense. And it turns out Spraggy had been a bunch of times and didn't tell anybody until we were literally on the plane on the way there. But like I wanted an island vacation. We were already in Spain. Spain's got, you know, the Mallorca, Menorca, Ibiza, all those things going on. And so I was like, great, we're already there. Let's just pop over to one of the islands. So I said to my girlfriend, hey, you're, I trust you. You're a smart young woman. Just book us something. It'll be cool. Whatever it is. She's like, well, don't you want to see it? I'm like, no, no, no. It's fine. Whatever you book is going to be great. Well, <laughs> I, I, people maybe can't visualize Mallorca, so I will, I will present it like this. Let's say that we were going on vacation to Hawaii, James. And when we get there, you find out that I booked us a hotel room in downtown Honolulu. You'd be like, no, you expect to be staying at a beach resort. Yes, and we were we were all expecting to stay at a beach resort. My poor girlfriend, she's so sweet. She's the sweetest. I, I didn't want to make her feel bad, but all of us were like, why are we staying in downtown Palma? Um, uh, Pal Palma's the place you fly into, and then you immediately then journey to whichever beach resort you're staying at. Correct. And so it wasn't the beach resort vacation I wanted. That took me a couple of days. I was a little pouty about that for a couple of days. Um, and then my, my girlfriend booked us a room that had like a, like a jacuzzi outside. Um, which would be, you know, typically a really cool thing to have in your va vacation. Not when it's 35 degrees outside. 
Bingo. And so the rest of our room was also incredibly tiny. And meanwhile, Spraggy and Marley have this like palatial suite with like a giant indoor bathtub and like a big screen TV. And we're like stepping over our suitcases the entire time. So it was very hot. Uh, we had to like take a cab to everything. Once we got into the swing of things and we sort of like got over the fact that we weren't at the beach resort, it was very pleasant. But then the problem was like my girlfriend booked us a boat one day, right? Like a sailboat. We went sailing around. We didn't go sailing. We told them just use the motor. Um, we don't want to do work. But like two of the four people ended up puking on the boat. Um, the only time everyone was happy. Can you guess where we were? On a beach? Nope. At a casino. Was the oh only my time. God. The only time that everyone no. was just like having a good time was James. They had Ultimate Texas Hold'em in this casino, and you could play for fifty cents if you wanted to. That's so awesome. we're just yeah. So we're just playing like one Euro Texas uh, Ultimate Texas Hold'em until my girlfriend. Like obviously, me and Spraggy Marley could just sit there like four or five hours, and eventually my girlfriend's like, "Can we fucking go? How much longer am I gonna have to stand here watching that?" Um, we did have one also really, really nice day where uh, we got like a day bed at a beach club, which should have been at our resort, uh, but it wasn't. And despite the fact that it rained a little bit while we were there, a really nice day. We danced. We met people. Uh, we, we, we ate food in a reclining position. So yes. overall, good trip. But then Spraggy and Marley both got sick on the last day, so I didn't see them at all on the final day we were there. Um and, you know, basically because what happened was I introduced them to the new show, The Rehearsal, and instead of hanging out with us the last day, they just stayed in and binge watch it and uh, left us on our own. But we'd had enough of each other. By the way, there, were, there was nothing. There was no drama. But, like, we're all like, we're, we're good. We're yeah. good. We'll see, it, we'll see in London. Yeah. We'll see the EBT in London. No big deal. Now, obviously, I can't help but notice you are not back in the Pokestars arena. You're still on the road. Yeah. But you are back stateside. You're in Texas right now? I was invited to play at Texas Card House Dallas, TCH Dallas, one of the many new poker rooms popping up here in the uh, the second biggest state in the United States of America. And so I came out to play on a live stream. I played in a very big game last night. It was a 2-5-5 game. Ooh, that is which, big. Which played more like a 2-5-5 game. Um, and I won. I won money. Um, and I thought it might be fun since it was streamed all the hand histories are out there. I can't forget cool. the details. So all I got to do is go back and watch the stream, and maybe we could actually talk about some strategy. Maybe I butchered some hands. Maybe I played some hands well. I'm going to go through and like watch do all that. the hands I played, do and then that. maybe in a few weeks we can talk about it. Absolutely. Collate the information. We'll get some analysis of your play. We are going to have to do that in a future episode, and it won't be for a few weeks because guess what starts this weekend? Yes, it's WCOOP 2022. The World Championship of Online Poker starts on Sunday, 4th of September. And Joseph, we are streaming it from Monday, the 5th of September. We're going to be on air three nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for the duration of the series. So instead of just having a usual Monday night stream, you are going to have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the four weeks of September. We'll get into the streaming schedule in a moment. I just want to talk a little bit about WCOOP and historically how it worked and bear in mind this series 
is now 20 years old. It was wow. 2002 that WCOOP started. And the idea was that it, as the title suggested, it was a world championship series. It was just high buy-in events. And as the years went on, the buy-ins got higher. And if you won a WCOOP, you were the world championship of that specific discipline. And then years later... 2009, in fact, along came Scoop, the spring championship of online poker, which introduced the idea of the tiered buy-ins, the low, the medium, and the high, a format that in recent years, WCOOP has also adopted. So maybe, whilst WCOOP now has more tournaments and is more accessible, has it lost some of that exclusivity? Has it lost some of that prestige and some of that meaning that it used to have back in the day? So what we've got this year is the introduction of 12 World Championship events that sit alongside the usual low, medium, and high buy-in tournaments. There's hundreds of games that anyone can play, but these World Championship events are going to be high buy-in only and will effectively be tournaments that decide the World Champions of specific formats slash disciplines. For example, the main event at the end of the series, which now becomes a $10,000 buy-in rather than a 5K, is the No Limit Hold'em Championship event. One championship event, not three tiers of a championship event. One championship event. The same with the 10K PLO. Yep. And then you have a six-max championship. You have a PKO championship. You have a heads-up championship. And also think of the different game disciplines as well. PLO8, uh, Badoogie, Deuce to 7, Triple Draw. Cool. Each format, each discipline is going to have its own champion decided by these events. And that does bring us onto the broadcast schedule, which is primarily going to focus on these 12 World Championship events. Seven of them will be streamed live. Five of them will be final table replays, which will be available exclusively on Twitch in the hours leading up to our broadcast. Alongside those championship events, we'll have a special edition of the Sunday Million, the 10K High Roller, the 25K Super High Roller, but mainly we're going to be seeing who is going to be crowned the world champion of specific formats of poker. So my guess is that most of the world championship events are going to start on a Sunday and conclude on what a Monday or a Tuesday, and that's why that falls into our broadcast schedule. Correct. Correct. Um, and most of them are two-day events, and there's a few three-day events. Of course, yeah. the main event at the end of the series is going to be a four-day event. Sick. Um, and just as with Scoop, an earlier start time for players, which means an earlier start time for the stream. So the action is resuming at 12.30 Eastern, which means when you factor in the 30-minute delay, we'll be going live at 1 p.m. Eastern rather than half past the hour. So that's 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. UK time, 7 p.m. Central European time. Um, Covered all the time zones except the for the hour. fucking one I'm in. Oh, you can do the math. I'll, I'll cover. It's 10 a.m. Well done, Joseph. Wow, you managed to subtract <laughs> three from 13. Uh, but yes, uh, that is what we're going to be focused on. We're going to kick things off. I think it's the PKO that's starting us off. Uh, there's a, a women's championship as well. And of course, we've got the usual broadcast team alongside us. Uh, Maria, Griffin, Nick. By the way, shout out to Nick for handling the most recent Sunday Million stream. Joe and I took a week off. Nick, up, Nick and Felix did awesome work on the Monday just gone. And in addition to our 
commentary team, we will also be enlisting the services of Howard Swains, our WCOOP correspondent, the guy who does all the updates for the Pokestars blog, because, of course, Joe, we are only streaming a small number of tournaments. I mentioned there are hundreds of events, hundreds of tournaments, so Howard's going to give us the overview of what's happening in the series overall. Howard, we, we, we hit the big bullet points, and Howard fills in the gaps. Correct, correct. So again, you might remember that during Scoop, just gone, uh, we did podcasts every other week, and we're going to keep up that format. So I know it's a bit weird. We've just come back from an extended break. We're kicking off our full season, and what are we doing next week? We're taking a break because of WCOOP. So we're not really taking a break. We're just not putting out a podcast. Correct. correct. <laughs> so no podcast next week, but there will be one the week after, and then there'll be one at the end of the series after the final table of the main event, that 10K No Limit Hold'em World Championship event. And... Howard will be part of those podcasts as well, because again, we like to have a full new summary of what's happened in this series, which, you know, I'm hoping is going to be the best of both worlds. There's still going to be a chance for everyone to play with buy-in starting from around $5 and of course, satellites for some of the higher buy-in events, but also these exclusive world championship events that have special trophies, different to the trophies for a normal WCOOPs, um, and I'm hoping this is going to set the tone of what's going to come uh, in the years that follow. I like that. 12 world championship events. I'm in. Fantastic. And of course, we'll go through all those in more detail uh, when we actually start streaming. Our first broadcast being on Monday, the 5th of September, on the PokerStars YouTube and Twitch channels uh before we close out this week's episode of poker in the ears let's give a super fan the chance to win some prizes as we welcome reese paul to the podcast hello reese hi folks how you doing good thank you hi reese reese um you've got uh you've got a very calming background a calming voice do you do you work on headset for, for part of your job? Uh, funnily enough, I do, actually. Yeah, I work in um, sales for a house building company in London. What do you sell specifically, sorry? Uh, new houses. So you cold call people and sell them new new houses? Not quite, not quite. Uh, the customers come along to the, to the site and, and see the show homes and, and decide to, to book one up. So then they call you. Yeah, and that's if right. you. And when they ring you up, your job is to keep them on the line, keep them, keep reeling them in. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I talk to their lawyers and uh, make sure the deals go through. The deals get wow. Closed. It's just like Glengarry Glen Ross. And if that's a movie Reese's, you haven't seen, Reese, I strongly recommend it. Reese is on a sit. Reese has had no idea, race. no idea what it's like being on a until he's on a four-hour sit. Um. So, Reese, obviously, we've had. A lot of insight into what you do professionally. Tell us something else about yourself. Tell us about your world, about your life. Uh, so I've been playing cards for about 10 years now, on and off. Uh, sort of real life gets in the way at times. Um, till fairly recently, a lot of my local games closed down and 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 so on due to pandemic. But uh, looking forward to getting back into to poker recently and and uh, building that bankroll again. So uh, well, yeah, enjoying the game very much. We are going to try and boost your bankroll 
by giving you a $109 Sunday million ticket. But you have to earn it. You know how it works. You have picked a specialist subject and you are going to go head to head in a 10 question quiz against Joe Stapleton. Now, I kind of feel that you're doing Joe dirty here by picking something soccer related. Yeah, I guess so. I can't say I'm a, a, a huge soccer fan. I'm, I'm rather disillusioned with the, the men's game in recent years. Um, but the, the women's tournament this summer was was quite refreshing. So I uh, decided to, to inflict that upon you, Joe. You know, my, my Nottingham preview show um, was during the final game of this, which is why, which is another reason why there was a low turnout, I'll say. Um, it was pretty hilarious uh, trying to do jokes and hearing people like screaming out in the streets. It was an exciting night. Even I got into it, to be honest. And obviously, you know, there was a sense of national pride. Um, I'm sure one of the questions isn't going to be who won. I think that much everyone knows. Uh, But yes, the UEFA Women's European Championships 2022 is your specialist subject. Patrick has done his due diligence. He's done his research. He's compiled the quiz. Now, I've decided that I am going to give Joe a little bit of assistance here. And I hope you don't mind, Reese. I am going to give Joe the multiple choice options for free. So how it works is you need to not take the options to get two points, but I'm going to give Joe the multiple choice options for every question he selects and he can still score two points. A little bit of handicapping, but I still think you'll be okay. Yeah. Well, you get to go first, so please give me a number between one and ten. I think it better be number seven, please. It's always coming seven. On which date was the first game of the tournament played? Um... I'm going to say the... Right, we go, you're just going for it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was it was the 6th of July. It was the 6th of July, wow. and you get the full two points. Wow. And suddenly, I, and suddenly I want to buy a house. <laughs> you can have any number you're other than seven, Jack. Joe. Uh, I will take number eight. Let's go with eight. Okay. You should be able to get this without taking the options, without me giving you the options. And if you do get the date without the options, I'm going to give you a bonus point. So three up for grabs. If you can tell me what Mm -hmm. date was the final played. Okay, so I flew to England on the, what date was it? It was the the 29th into the 30th which means, and there's no 31 days in July. So I'm going to say it was on August 1st. Is this a bit? What the fuck do you mean there aren't 31 days in July? July 31st. It was July 31st. I'm only going to give you two points because of the idiocy. We have a tied game. (laughs) Reese, your second question. 30 days, half September, April, June, and November... All oh, the it's rest the other have one. 31. Right, right. okay. Including I no, July. I, sh- I should have sang the whole thing out. <sighs> Except for February, where it's 28. Yes. Except okay, for a leap well, year, where the. Anyway, Reese, which question? Um, I'll take number one. Number one. How many teams qualified for the women's Euros? Uh, that was 16. 16 teams for two points. Joe, one, seven, and eight have gone. All other numbers available. Um, let's go with nine. I'll take nine, please. 
Okay, two players shared the top goal scorer award. How many goals did they each get? And you get the options for free. Three, four, six, or eight. Nobody's ever gotten eight goals, let alone two people. So we can eliminate that one. Six seems really high, too. Four, we're getting more realistic. I'm going to go three. The answer was six. This is top ah! goal scorer across the entire tournament, not in a single match. Oh, oh, sorry. I should have specified. 31, July 31st. <sighs> Reese, we're into the third round. Two, three, four, five, six, and ten are still available. I'll take number two, please. Which two nations played in the final? That was uh, England and Germany. The old rivals. Six points for you. Two from that question, six total. Joe, three, four, five, six, or ten? I like how you said three first, so I think you're trying to guide me to the number three. I'm choosing three. Okay, I wasn't. Who won player of the tournament? And the options are Beth Mead, Lena Oberdorf, Leah Williamson, or Alessia Russo? I was looking for Megan Rapinoe. Uh, I'm Do you now need me to show you a fucking map to point out where Europe is? Oberdorf. No, it was Beth Mead. Four, five, six, or ten, Reese. Uh, I'll go for ten, please. Number ten. How many games were played in total? Yikes. Um. You can take the options. I don't think it's going to be a problem if you only get one point here. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the options, please. Okay. 19, 27, 31, or 39? Uh, surely must be 39. That's my guess. It was 31. Ah. Oh, so, what an idiot. Your penultimate <laughs> question, Joe. Four, five, or six? Um, let's go with five. Which nation had the most players voted into the team of the tournament? Which nation had the most players voted into the team of the tournament? Um... Germany. I should have given you the options because you were entitled to the options. You got it without, so I'm going to give you three points, which means you now oh, have a total of five. We're back on the board. Nice one. So we've got a little bit of attention going into the final round because, Reese, you only have a one-point lead. And you can have four or six as your final question. I'll have number four, please. What was the total prize money for the competition? I'm going to need the options on that one, please. Two, it's in, in euros, 2 million, 5 million, 9 million, or 16 million? Let's go 16 million. 16 million for a point. Wow. Joe. Is that because, was it 16 because that's 70% of what the men's tournament prize pool is? I can give you one point for the options with this. It would be unfair to give you okay. two sure. without the options. I understand. Now that I understand. You can tie the game. Yeah. But basically, if you do get this question without taking the options, we will go to the tiebreaker. Okay. Which stadium used in the competition has the highest capacity? First of all, I think it would be fitting if we just left it as a tie, since it's about soccer. <laughs> but, okay. Which stadium? Okay, I will need to take the choices. Okay. Do you know which country the tournament was played in? It was played in... Um, in England? Correct. So okay. please apply there we go. logic. I win. Which stadium used in the competition has the highest capacity? 
Um, Wembley Stadium. Correct for two points, which means we are going to go to the tiebreaker. Okay, so this is how it works, Reese. I'm going to ask a question which has a numerical answer. Now, you can either answer the question yourself, or you can get Joe to answer the question, and then you decide whether you're going to take higher or lower than his answer. But he gets to hear the question first. The question is, what was the total attendance for the 31 games played? That's a tough one. Uh, I'll let Joe answer that one. 21 games, but the bar carries one. Games. Do, do, 31 games. Not do, 30, do, do, 31 games. 31 games, like July 31st. Yep. Beep, beep, beep. Bop, bop, bop. I'm going to say 600,000. 600,000? Yeah. The question is, Reese, do you want to go higher or lower than 600,000? And I'm going to give you a clue. That is not far off, that number. Oh, boy. I really that fucked Reese here. You know. 30, 31 games. 50,000 per game, maybe. Oh, I was trying to multiply it by 20,000. What, what would that have been? I'll, um, I'll go lower. You were right to go lower. 574,865 was the number. Congratulations. Whoa. We had a genuine competition on our hands there, thanks to some jiggery-pokery on my part. Uh, but we got the <laughs> result that we thought we were going to get. We got the result that you wanted, Reese. You are a winner. You are going to get a $109 Sunday Million ticket. And, of course, we will give you some merch. Now, I did mention a couple of weeks back that we've got some brand new Poker Ooh. in the Ears merch exclusive to podcast listeners who compete in competitions and take part in Superfan versus Stapes. That merch is going to be revealed on one of our WCOOP live streams next week. So watch the streams. You'll see what's up for grabs and then we'll get back in touch and ask you what you want to pick. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Reese. thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for giving up your time today. You take care, you too. Reese, you're a good sport, just like soccer. And you, Jack. Good speaking to you. Well, all right, my babies. That's just about all the time we have got for this week's show. Reminder, no podcast next week, but we've got plenty of other ways you can listen to our voices. Absolutely. Streaming WCOOP Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays for all of September. Next podcast will be middle of September, plus there'll be a WCOOP roundup at the end of September. In the meantime, Joe, we haven't mentioned Discord yet. We do have dedicated podcast channels on the PokerStars Discord server. The link is in the podcast description. We want your comments, your questions, and, of course, your superfan applications. The more people who get involved, the more likely I am to drop some merch to the Discord community as well as to superfan contestants. Oh, yes. Let's get the Discord fired up. I'll be back. You know, like I said, I've been on the road eight weeks. Now that I'm back in my PC, I'll be more active in the Discord as well, checking out every day before we get the WCOOP streams going, seeing what folks are talking about. Uh, but for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.